the 19th hole podcast presented by golf talk live and brought to you by perfect practice putting mat yips and survivor golf tee how do you measure yourself with other golfers by height it's a very very special honor i'm paula kramer and you're listening well we're waiting hi this is martin cove aka john crease from cobra kai and you're listening to golf talk live let the word go out from here across the land that Daddy Noonan uh, approves of the 19th Hole podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first game of our version of the 150th Open Championship. I am Alan DePew. Had to throw a few bagpipes in right out of the gate. I'm joined by our illustrious panels. We again, as always, we trade a few, we add a few. We have special guests with us. Joining us once again, as always, Boston Bob Baldessari came in from picking the range. Hello, Bobby. Well to be with the uh, good fine gentleman today. Uh, we have our, our special guest later that uh, him and I have a special uh, code of talking so I'm, I'm getting warmed up. I, am, I, will, I will introduce him momentarily, sir. And as always, the prettiest podcaster in golf, Christian Nazamus. He was ducking us last week after he and Andy got into a little mono, a little match play action a couple weeks ago, back here, back and forth. But Christian, hello, son. How are you? Yeah, I'll kick Andy's ass next time we play golf. Oh. Well, we got a story on that. We got a story on that one. And we are rounding out our foursome today. Longtime golf executive, co-host of Mussings on Sports, Kelly Elbin. Kelly, welcome to the show. Guys, thanks for having me. Alan, thank you. Appreciate it. I don't know if I can live up to prettiest anything, but uh, I know I'm in really good company with my great friend, Bob Baldessari, and, and delighted to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Bobby, I know you've been chomping at the bit, so I'm just going to let you run with it. you got some dirt on Kelly. We, we, let's welcome him into the 19th hole. Right out of the gate. Well, uh, we could use up our whole allotted time this evening ah, uh, with ah. Kelly's resume, his background. It's, uh, you know, it's neat to have a guest, but it's a neat person to be to have on our um, Golf Talk Live that's witnessed a lot of golf history. Um, so uh, Kelly's dad, Max, was the uh, head pro at Burning Tree outside of Washington. We're going to get into it later, but Max was president of the PGA of America when the PGA tour came to creation and when it, uh, uh, when it was born out of what, the, what was then the PGA America's tournament uh, division. So Kelly will have some really neat perspective on that. Uh, Kelly has been in the golf industry 30 years, former editor of PGA magazine, director of communications, PGA of America. We worked together for quite a while there. If you go back and look at some interesting interviews, Kelly's the person sitting next to tiger to Phil to Norman, to everybody when he would do the interviews at the PJ Championship, the Ryder Cup. So Kelly's had a front row seat to golf history across, well, it goes back to the 79 Ryder Cup, Kelly caddy for Lee Trevino. How about that? I mean, you talk about first row uh, uh, sitting right next to, um, you know, see, now, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hey, share, to, Bob, you didn't share that story with me. I, we got to go By the way, 18 year old kid scared out of his mind. And Lee Trevino asking me the distance, and all I could do was just mumble something. Uh, he wasn't asking for for any reads of putts. He wasn't asking for any clubbing. But 79 was really cool, by the way, because that was the first year that all of Europe 
came into the Ryder Cup. And really, guys, that for all intent purposes is when the Ryder Cup began that we know today. Yeah, I agree with that without question. Exactly. Um, I'll just finish this. Wait a minute. Did you you miss did you miss club him at all? No, it was so it was it was cool because I, I was starting my freshman year at the University of Richmond. I took a little puddle jumper over to White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, to the Greenbrier. I didn't even caddy for him until Friday morning. He plays with Fuzzy Zeller in the first match out, and I carried the bag, tried to, you know, the classic, stay with me and stay out of the way. Keep up and shut up, right? I did that extremely well, and it was a it was an off the charts cool experience. What a twosome, uh, Trevino and Fuzzy. Talk about chattering. Yeah. I was going to say, was yeah. there any talking going on in that group? There was all kinds of talking, and none of it was coming out of the Europeans. They didn't. They they wanted to keep their distance, and I, I they Trevino and Fuzzy won that first morning. I don't think uh, Trevino may have lost one of his matches, but I think he won about four points in all, and the U.S. dominated. But but the tides certainly would turn pretty quickly in in Ryder Cup history, without question. I mean, I was going to finish up here, Rob, two court things. If you ever get invited to Kelly's house, you need to spend extra time on your uh, time there because he has a veritable golf museum. You talk about golf uh, memorabilia. You talk about presidents in the United States memorabilia that he has there. I mean, unbelievable. Some things from Vince Lombardi, uh, just amazing, amazing artifacts. And so here we talk about segues, Kelly. Oh, here's my segue into uh, more Q&A with you, but having Kelly Elbin on our podcast is like the James Webb telescope into the galaxy. Ah, Kelly, Kelly can bring the glittering expanse of the golf galaxy to Golf Talk Live. Woo. Cheers, cheers, my friend. Cheers, 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 indeed. Cheers. I'm out, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go from there. I would help me. Kelly, I was just watching Jeopardy in the, in the category was Hemingway, and I think Bob just put him in his place. I think he did too. <laughs> Boston Bob has a way at certain times. He's uh he's one of a kind. I didn't think maybe I tell you guys, seriously, Boston Bob and I have been very, very fortunate. Both of us are, are sons of PGA professionals. Alan, I know you're a very proud PGA member. And I gotta tell you what we've seen in the early stages of this week of the 150th Open Championship, how great the game of golf is. You saw that in with Tiger Trevino. Rory, Jack, et cetera, after that little four-hole get-together on Monday. And then Jack, very emotional today, becoming just the third American to receive uh, an honorary uh, citizenship from St. Andrews, along with Ben Franklin and, and Bob Jones. Uh, and, and it's just uh, – it, it's such a powerful game that we're, we're really and truly genuinely fortunate to be part of. Well, Kelly, you absolutely said it. And let me just, uh, for our listeners, we are recording Tuesday night. You'll hear the show goes live on Wednesday. Uh, let's talk about, we're going to talk about Jack. Something else happened on Tuesday is Tiger finally spoke about Liv, you know, the yeah. Darth, Darth Vader, the, the evil the evil force that's in the golf industry, but by, by some people's uh, opinion, maybe not Christian because it's a generational thing. So he's going to be on the defensive again this week. I'm going to put him there. But we have so much to talk about. Bobby, where do you want to start? I'm giving you the reins right now. You got the keys to the kingdom. Oh, boy. Well, I don't know where to start on one hand with Kelly. No, seriously, he's, he's seen so much over this. But um, I guess we could just start right in at the, uh, the Open Championship. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, as a, 
as a front row for a lot of history, seriously, that you've seen across, um, I guess, the, the eons of golf, um, you know, what do you think about just stepping back 150 years of a golf event and how it started, where it's gone, and just, I mean, there's four majors. I mean, we'll start with just the, I don't know. I'm trying to think of it. When Kelly's here, he is, he's an editor, former editor of magazine. He's yeah. a wordsmith. He's so eloquent. I try to up my game, but I can't find the right words to just – All right, all right. I just put you, I put you on the bench, Bob. Christian. <laughs> Christian, get in the game here. Let's Christian, go, Christian, Christian, come on. You've you just, so, you just been hanging back. You're just like – I didn't want to ruin Bob's, you know, spotlight. I mean, come on. I can't – of course I'm going to sit in the back. You know, I'm a ringer. Ele- it was eloquent, wasn't it? I'm like the Aroldis Chapman. You call me in in the third inning and your fourth inning, you know, and then I just – I end up, you know, throwing 95-mile-hour fastballs. I just get hit out of the park. So, let, all right. So, Christian, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> the 150th playing of the Open Championship, Tiger yes. Tiger announced that even before he teed off, I think it was at Augusta, that he was yeah. intending to be there. This was what he's – uh, obviously the cameras are all on him. Lots of questions, everything from can he contend to will he wave on the Swillican Bridge on the 18th hole on, on Friday or Sunday, which either way. You are the uh, Gen Z of our group. What's your impression? Because the Open hasn't been back to St. Andrews in a few years. Um, well, I mean, St. Andrews, first off, is like obviously it's home of golf. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bucket list moment for everybody. If, if you're a golfer, you want to play, you want to play St. Andrews period. Um, you know, I think with the spotlight being around tiger. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, a lot of spotlight going around him this, this week alone, obviously with the history, you know, this might be tiger's last time playing St. Andrews actually in an open championship. I think it would be personally, but that's just, that's just me, you know? So I think tiger's going to put a little more pressure on his shoulders this week. I think it would be one hell of a story if he, were to win one and two, if he were to contend, I think it would just be something for him to cherish forever. You know, obviously he wants to win, but I think Tiger mainly right now wants to make the cut going into Sunday so he can walk up 18, cherish all that moment and all that, you know, history, obviously with that, in that, in that most famous walk. That's, that's just me though, personally. Right, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have Andy Hydorn banter with you, but I'm going <laughs> to throw it over to Kelly and say, I agree with what Christian's saying. Yeah. But do you do you think he's just going to be satisfied with just making the cut this week? I think he really wants to contend. I th- I agree with some of what Christian said. I totally agree that there's more to it than just making the cut. As as we've known Tiger Woods throughout his remarkable career, he's a very strategic guy, and I think as a strategist, he made up his mind after that third round of the PGA Championship where he was worn out. And he just decided to withdraw. He de- Tiger Woods never does that, but it was a calculated and it was the correct move. And so it was the correct move as well to not play in the U.S. Open. Oh, absolutely. He just, he just knew his body could only take one more. And it's again, guys, this is the 150th Open Championship. It dates back to Prestwick in Scotland in 1860. And along with Jack Nicholas, no one, no one in the uh, playing the modern game today is as historically acute, aware of what's going on as Tiger Woods. He tees off on Thursday afternoon and then Friday morning. So he catches the late wave and the early wave. A lot of it will depend on what kind of breaks he might get weather-wise, be be they good or bad. If he's in any kind of position on Saturday morning, if he's made the cut, 
you better believe he has one idea in mind, and that is to be walking up the 18th hole on Sunday with a legitimate chance in his mind to win. That's why he's there. Well, Absolutely. he may be walking up the 18th hole for one shot under the grid. I mean, he drove 18 yeah. the other day. Yeah, they were talking. He shot, about he shot 63, I thought. Did, yeah, did yeah. you say that? Yeah. Golf courses, it's, uh, I was listening to some of the guys on, on PGA Tour radio, and they're right. The golf course is way below the, the stated par. I guess par is 72. Because so 18 is not the only hole, guys. They can drive. You're going to see a number of holes out there. The ground is so hard physically hard and the ball rolls forever that there are going to be situations like at 18 where tiger literally drove it over the green did you, did you hear today was uh in the uh, practice round today 30 balls were hit out of bounds on 18 not left not right they all went over yeah. How about that I did not hear it. Well, I was going to, on my bullet. So here, hey, let's just get right to it. Show notes. There they go again. Okay. So, <laughs> course, I had course conditions written down. You guys jumped right ahead of on, on my show notes. So I'm just going to throw them out the window. But the, did you have you seen some of the social media stuff? People are banging the fairways. They're that firm. This golf course yep. is playing fast. Yeah. Did you see the video of Sam Burns in the fairway throwing the, throwing the golf ball and it bounces right back up to his hand. Did you see that video? I did not see of that. How, of how firm the fairways are. I mean, key this week, you're going to have a lot of 50, 60, 70, 80. You might even have a hundred foot putt this week, obviously number five, you could have a yeah. hundred foot putt if you wanted. Sure. Massive, yep, massive think, greens. Yeah, yep. Yep. Lag putts are going to be key. I, I, you know, obviously you can make birdies when they come. It's link style golf. You can't, you obviously you, the birdies come when you get them. Uh, you, you can't have that mindset of birdieing every hole. Take advantage of the par fives, but I think putting this week, especially in that side, that twenty foot range, is going to be critical. Hey, Chris, and also, also the I, I think one of the coolest things about the Open Championship is the putting from way off the green. Oh yeah, the ground where game you, where you may have a a, a two hundred foot shot, and you, you your your best way to control that is to putt it because yeah. that you don't want to get the ball up in the air. You you just can control it better on the ground. And so that's, I think that's one of the coolest parts of the open championship is simply seeing guys do something that you never see anywhere else in golf. Yeah, it's, it's, sadly, it's, sadly, my game is that way here in America. That's what I understand. I mean, it's, it's pretty unique. Like, you know, being a golf nerd, like, you know, myself, you know, you always look inside the bags, right? It's so unique and different to see what's in their bag this week than in previous majors, right? Or previous golf tournaments. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so unique and so cool to see, you know, one iron in the bag or, you know, not, not even taking a driver out, you know, cause they don't really need driver. If it's that firm and fast, I mean, do you really need to hit driver on a link style no. golf course? Well, let, no, well, no, let's go, no. Kelly, to your, to your point about Tiger being the strategic, you know, yes. person that he is. Sure. The last time was last time he was here that he won, did not hit it in a bunker. Correct. I believe, correct? That's correct. And no one knows that golf course better among that field. He's won twice there. No one has ever won the Open Championship on the same course more than twice. From a strategic standpoint, it's just in terms of standing on a tee and figuring out where am I going to hit the shot? How am I going to hit it? He's, he has a built-in advantage. Personally, I don't know how you guys feel. I, I'm really rooting for Rory McIlroy. I think that would be as cool a story as you could find outside of Tiger. But, wow, if Tiger Woods were to be part of this deal come Sunday – Whew, that is that is as good a golf story this year as you'll find. 
Well, I can tell you that if that's the case, I'm going to sit back with a plate of pancakes and uh, and oh, yeah. an orange juice. And, yeah. I mean, <laughs> do, do you think there's a better story in golf after everything that Tiger's been through this past year and a half, two years, to now come to the 150 Open no. and, and win it? I don't. No. I don't think there other is going to be a greater story than that. If I'm being honest, I don't. I don't, I don't ever see it. Hey guys, isn't it amazing how, after all these years, he continues to be the needle. He he doesn't move the needle. He continues yeah. to be he the, the one guy yeah. who carries golf. It's just incredible how he transcends the game in so many ways and has done it for so long. I mean, he, he they call he, him he the golf for a reason. He just yeah. needs to do it for about another. 10 years until Charlie comes along, right? I know, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, I am I, I don't know. I think Tiger, honestly, with how his leg is, I think with that time off, with the rehab that he's been doing still, I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if he didn't make the cut. We'll put it that way. I'd be shocked. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't care if he's in dead last going into the – when he makes the cut. I, I would be shocked if he didn't make the cut. I would agree with that. But I will say the one thing, like we mentioned earlier, you're going to see some low scores. I mean, you're going yeah. to see the potential – for some very low scores, you may see 17, 18. You may see 20 under par if the wind lays down. And, Bob, you know this. If the wind picks up, things can change quickly. But if it doesn't, that golf course is as vulnerable as any that those elite players uh, you know, face. Yeah, I think it's a course suited for Tiger. I think he's rested. It's flattish. I think, you know, not the elevations. He's got the mindset. Nobody's got a better mind. And it's uh, even though they've been talking about it's not going to play easy. And it's a strategy, Tiger. He necessarily in that place. I agree, or Alan, it would be the greatest, maybe the, one of the greatest or whatever ones. He won the Honduras Open. He's got to for those uh, ceremonial times to, to really, you know, rise to the occasion. Oh, yeah. I'm um, just looking at the early because I'll go ahead, Bob. Well, I was, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, at some point we got to obviously talk uh, with Kelly's perspective on, you know, the LIV tour today. The sim- there are some similar. Oh, wait a minute. There's- That's going on? <laughs> well, you know, it's a little thing. We'll get you up to speed, Alan. It's uh, after the show. Uh, but, you know, Kelly's got a very unique historical perspective here because when the PGA Tour was started, um, Max, his, uh, Kelly's dad, Max, was president of PGA America. Arnie Jack, people forget Gardner Dickinson was involved in that. And, you know, we just wanted to let Kelly bring everybody a about what was happening back then. Kelly's dad was president. He was a volunteer. It was a yeah. paid position. Yeah. Um, what was that like, Kelly? You know, it's interesting, the, the term volunteer. It's, uh, Alan, you having been a PGA member and understand the, the structure as well for years, whether it was my dad back in the late 60s or Jim Richardson, the current president of the PGA, these individuals serve as volunteers to their association. They don't get paid a dime. They serve for lots of reasons. They, they care about the game. They want to grow the game. And in the late 60s, my dad was the last three-term president of the PGA of America, 66, 67, and 68, as volatile a period as any in the history of the PGA, in large part because you had a confluence of television and Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus. And you had an association, while terrific, uh, at that time it was about 6,000 members in the PGA of America, they also controlled the tour. And you had these soon-to-be stars in Arnold and Jack and television looking to get them on as often as possible. And the PGA of America still controlling 
the touring players. And there was an open revolt. There's no other way to put it. And ultimately, 69, I believe it was, the tour, what is now the PGA Tour, those players, two, roughly 200 of them, literally broke away from the PGA of America and formed the PGA Tour. And it's hard to argue. You know, I was looking up uh, just some numbers. Like in 1969, the total purse for all PGA Tour events was about five point, about $5.5 million. All right. <laughs> This year, they'll play for $427 million. So to, to, it's kind of a tough thing to contrast or compare what's going on with Liv, but certainly it's hard to argue with, you know, with, with what became of the PGA Tour. My dad did a really good job of one of the, one of the things that he kept in the, um, uh, within the PGA of America is the Ryder Cup. And the PGA has been a tremendous beneficiary of that for years. But it's hard to argue with ultimately what happened with the success of the PGA Tour. And now you're seeing what's going on with Liv and, and you know, players leaving to, to go. The riches of the PGA Tour, to be honest with you, to go well, to Bobby, play on Liv. Bobby, weren't you telling me before, and Kelly, please chime in. Weren't you telling me beforehand that they almost wanted to throw the Ryder Cup in as a, here, please take it, because yeah. they didn't yeah. want it? Exactly. Yeah, it was a little bit of the PGA market saying to the Tour, hey, you want to take the Ryder Cup? The Tour goes, no, you keep that dog. There's some truth to that. There's a lot of truth because it really was so one-sided. If you look at the history of it for so long, because the U.S. had all the best players and they were playing against Great Britain and Ireland. And quite honestly, the, the, the Great Britain and Ireland guys have a chance. Yeah, it was, it, pure population numbers. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Yep. And, and so, yeah, it, uh, it became the Ryder Cup in 79 when all of Europe came in and it's obviously grown and grown since. But uh, fascinating to see what's going on now, but clearly with the PGA Tour, you have a, a, a much greater infrastructure, much higher dollars, and yet you've had guys who've made the decision to, to go elsewhere and to play limited amount of golf. I get it. I understand it. Um, I guess it's not a bad gig if you can be a Pat Perez who's been, frankly, a mediocre player for a long time at the PGA Tour level, and you can make a you-know-what kind of level of money and only play 8, 10, 12 events. That's pretty tough to beat. Well, you're talking about the total purse back in 69. I mean, basically, uh, the last two winners on live almost made that entire purse in one event for 54 yeah. holes. Yeah. yeah, for 54. And I think also, guys, you know, that's – Christian, I'd, I'd like your perspective on this as well. That's one of the big issues, isn't it? It's only 54 holes, and there's no cut. And it can be kind of construed as – is this real golf or is this an exhibition? What is this? Christian, uh, maybe from a younger set of eyes, do you, how do you see live golf? Do you see it in that same way? Is it good, bad? How do you view it for the game? This is, this is Andy Hyder and Christian Zayman's uh, match play 2.0. Yeah. I, 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 I did. I do like live. Okay. I do like live yeah. personally. Yeah. I, I do think that if they are trying and what Greg's doing, I think if he's trying to expand the game, He's doing it in a way that he feels is right. Not everybody's going to agree with that, obviously. Right. You know, I don't like the format. I don't like the team atmosphere of it. I get why he's doing it. However, I'm kind of getting more on board with it. Mm -hmm. I wish it was a normal stroke play event of 72 holes. You know, the 54 holes is, you know, it's, it's weird ending on a Saturday and not a Sunday, right? Yes. I also wish that these that the DJ and, and the Brooks and Bryson and all these guys – I wish they would just come out and say they did it for the money. That's where I would. That's where I think JT had a point 
where it's just like, we wouldn't care if you guys went over, just tell us why you did it. Do you know what I mean? Like they're all saying that they're trying to like change the game and none of them have come out and said that they're doing it for the money. But when you pay $500 million to three, three golfers and 200 of that goes to Phil Mickelson, right? How does Phil not come out and say that he's not doing it for the money? Right. But ever since Phil's come back now to competitive golf, he's been 30, 32 over par since coming back. You know, so I, I do think lives here to stay in my opinion. I, I, I could be wrong. I do think now that it's starting to compete with the PGA a little bit. And I'm curious now moving forward, if more top name players are going to actually go over there, that that's just, that's, I'm curious about that because there's reports that, uh, that at least one top tenor is going to be uh, after the open championship is going to be making the move. A couple of names have been uh, tossed around, um, but I don't want to name anybody, but I've, I've seen some on social, but yeah, I look, my, my position is bobbed and weaved on, on live from, from day one. I, I believe that there can and should be a world tour. I think there could be an adaptation of similar to the tennis ADP tour. There is no reason golf is a global game, not like tennis is not a global game nowadays. And there's no reason these guys are all flying around private jets anyway. What the hell? I mean, they, yeah. they can easily fly to Tokyo and play, put on an event there. They could easily go to Melbourne and put on an event there. Uh, it would actually make it even easier to have generally events held when weather conditions are favorable for those areas. So you're not having, I don't like 54 holes. I don't like team play. I don't, I think, I think there's just a lot of hokiness. And if, if you're, if you're simply saying that it's about, I love, I love your little caveat there, Christian, that, that it's, if in Greg's mind, this is how he's growing the game. I think it's bullshit. I don't think that's how the, I don't think they're necessarily growing the game. Yeah. I mean, again, they could, again, Greg might think in his mind that he is, I, not everybody's going to agree with that. Right. Right. But like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of room for improvements when it comes to live specifically speaking, you know, but I do think that the, it's going to expand more. I think you're going to have, you know, 54 players or whatever. I think that's going to expand over time. You know, but I do find I think down the road, and this is very critical. I think the PGA and Live, as well as the DP World Tour, I truly think they come to an agreement on how all guys can play on the same tour with all world rankings involved. And I think that will actually, regardless who pays them, but I do think that they will eventually come to an agreement. I don't know if it's going to come soon. Well, but that's this is the, well, this is a, this is the ideal opportunity to bring Kelly back in because I know having been senior father at that critical juncture back in the late sixties, do you see this as that same point in time, this inflection point in golf that golf is teetering on the edge? Which way does it go? What happens and so forth? Only if you, the PGA tour loses several young, highly ranked players. If that happens, yeah. Then to what Christian's saying, it may get to the point where something is forced so that the three organizations come together for the best interest of, of tour golf, if you will. However, if, if you don't get, see, see to me, the PGA tour can't lose John Rahm. They can't lose Scotty Scheffler. They can't lose Jordan Spieth. If they lose any of guys like that, then you have the potential of just a cascade of guys looking, saying, well, 
he just took the money. And these would all be guys who are, have already won major championships and are young. And so they can still be, they can still play in, in the major championships they've won in all likelihood. But that to me would be the slippery slope that I would think truly terrifies the PGA tour. It's one thing to lose Bryson DeChambeau and, and Dustin Johnson. Okay. And they're great players, but you lose the young stars of the game. Now you have a major issue. And it's, it's fine that you brought that up because now look at, look at who they have, look at who, who they've lost. Right. We haven't heard of DJ. God knows when. Okay. He has not been playing well this season at all. Bryson is Bryson. People are going to hate him because of what he's doing with his, with his clubs. Okay. And I wasn't a fan of Bryson to begin with. Oh, you right? loved him. But, <laughs> but now again, like now you have Phil lefty. Everybody loves lefty. Okay. That might've been the biggest name out of everybody. The biggest shock to me, the two golfers well, three golfers actually with Paul Casey, Abraham answer and um, Brooks, those three kind of shocked me a little bit. Most, yeah. most specifically Abraham answer, because I thought he was like more in his prime. Personally, he was, 20, right now. he was 20th ranked in the world at, the, at that point. Yeah. Uh, and I know Brooks hasn't really been there a lot when it comes to like specific tournaments and so forth. But again, you're right. If you lose Scotty, if you lose Rory, if you lose, you know, JT, oh, the tour, the tour is in big trouble. Well, the tour and the tour, the tour, what was it? New York Post was just announcing this week that, that they may be under some type of Justice Department uh, yeah. investigation yeah. for uh, uh, antitrust. That's right. Yeah. Which, which, <laughs> could be a major problem for them if if they're found to be prohibiting members of their tour from from pursuing other opportunities but, uh, but Kelly, I, I, you know what I, I use the analogy so so one of my many hats in the business i broker golf courses with colliers international and i'm an right. independent contractor with with colliers right i have to prescribe by colliers rules and regulations their policies and procedures manual sure. even right. though i'm an independent contractor you can just because you're a independent contractor, Greg Norman, doesn't mean you can't have to adhere to certain rules. That's right. They, the I won't I got better choice to choose my words, not employer, but the contractor can terminate that relationship. But and 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 they would basically if they uh, if these guys went over and played with live, uh, they chose the, the players, you know, chose to uh, resign instead, but most of them. Couple of thoughts, guys, on that. I don't necessarily view PGA Tour players as independent contractors. I view them as members of an association who are required to play a minimum of 15 PGA Tour events to maintain their status. And obviously they have to be within the, the points and the money list on, on the tour. It, the guys who take who've gone to to to, to play with, with the Live Invitational series, they are now employees of Live Golf. They are required to participate in whether it's eight events this year or 14 next year. So however you define it, it's the, the guy and they're, and they're being paid very handsomely. And I understand why they're doing it, but they're also, they, they're out of the realm of what they had been before where they've been members of an association that, that where they're not employees. Now they're employees of live. There's no other way to put it it's who they are. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, I mean, Bobby, you, you, you were in the, uh, the, the, the halls of, of national. Uh, I got to make this reference because Brendan Ellie can't be with us today. PGA of America is different than the PGA tour. 
Correct. But you were you were you were down at national. You understand that you know to Kelly's point that, that the officers there are all volunteers, and in this particular case, we have and Kelly, you summed it up well. You get the tour players are members of an association, not unlike uh, Bobby's a member of the PGA of America. Uh, I mean, Bob, what what? With the latest developments with Liv, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I've was touching on before. I just, my thing was, I, I, the tour could have handled this a lot better if they maybe would have just, and I said this at a, uh, one of our podcasts before, Kelly. In the beginning, it was Liv came out within dead to me. That's it. Um, there was no, no adult conversations. There was no attempt to even see if plausibly something could be done with, as Christian said, all three tours, it just went straight to Godfather, horse in the bed, you're dead. Um, you know, which was just a shame. So I, if if something could happen now, Rory's saying, hey, maybe now we should get together and talk. You know, that could happen. I just thought there, there could be a way that this could coexist. Uh, I said on a, one of our recent podcasts, Kelly, I believe there's a way live could grow the game. And it was the biggest Mic drop, I'd probably done for a while. Um, but I, and I yeah, do. We, Kelly, Kelly, we had crickets. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say, well, how, Bob, how, how do you think that could be, Bob? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tease it like heck because I, we can't get into it in one uh, with, with this time left. But, um, if they have the wherewithal financially, I believe they could move the needle to golf participation with people tuning in. That's one thing. No more people than ever in, in the world of golf. In, to watch golf when Tiger was at the heyday, it didn't always equate to people on the golf course on the first tee. So you need the PGA and LPGA professionals to activate that. But I do believe there would be a way, and I'm glad to architect it for the live golf. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, part of this whole equation is is monetary. Um, every facility is different. And I could spend the next eight hours because they used to do eight hour workshop for PGA pros and course owners out there how to build their business. Uh, but I truly believe if they did it the right way, it's plausible. Live could could actually quote unquote grow the game, even though that is a uh, bandied about term that doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Uh, I'd like to add. I'd like to add one other thing, if I if I may, here, Alan. Um, and that is with Live, you literally don't see them as much. They don't have a tele a television contract. Okay. Now I'm not a Formula One guy, but I do know that having that Formula One ongoing series on, I believe it's Netflix, has really humanized a lot of those racers, and it's really created a greater fan base for the for the F1 series that's that's raced throughout the world. If Live Golf was able to get a deal with, say, Netflix or Amazon, okay. Now and you're talking of, like Brent, now you're talking like Brendan Elliott, by the way, because he's well, yeah. he, he's saying the same thing. Well, yeah, and if you have that and you create these mini documentary stories that are shown whenever the tournaments aren't played, or you can watch them. Obviously you can watch them whenever. Now you get to know the people better. Now you better relate to them. Now when the tournament's actually played on the same streaming service, because I'm not sure it's going to get on network TV, but you know, to go there. And now your audience is, is building. Now you've got relationships developing and they're more, it's more than just the money. I think they play the money thing way too much i get it but get to know these guys 
get the fan base to be excited about what about the product and the money's the money's a part of it, but it's preached ad nauseum, in my opinion. Well, and and I think it was Andy that first brought it up. If you think about it, back to your point about the, the dollars, and I want to move over to then to Rory and to Tiger and get your opinion on that. But um, they, they point to the 54 holes. They t- point to the money. Everybody's getting rich, but you're getting 25% less product. You get one less round of golf to watch your favorite. You, now, you might see more people on, on their telecast, see more golf, but you are, as a viewer, the only one getting shafted in this whole thing sure. is the golf fan because their sure. ticket prices are the same yep. for 25% less product. And I don't know who else. I Last week, I happened to have a bottle of Drano sitting on my desk. I don't know why, but I did. And I held it up and it said, you know, 10% more. Same, you know, 10% more than, than before. You see it. You see it all the time. Sure, of course. It's marketing. Why do you think, though, I found it interesting today. I mentioned Tiger at the onset. I'm interested in hearing, maybe you can give a recap of what you heard him say. But why do you feel that Rory took the, 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 the posture of we need to play nice in the sandbox? Because I think he spent some time with Sergio Garcia and, and some of the other guys who are his friends. And they explained to him why they joined Live, And he he really likes those guys and he trusts those guys and it put a human element to it. And I think when asked later about that, he sort of mirrored some of the conversations he had with those guys. I think that's the answer. I think if you know somebody and they explain something, well, here's why I did what I did. Your view may then change slightly. He's been fascinating to me. He's, he is waffled back and forth. His like one day he feels very strongly, the next day he's like, we should get together. And then the next day it's, you know, I I, I hope live, you know, nobody from the live tour wins this week at the open championship. It's fascinating. But I think that's the answer to your question. And yeah, Tiger, and, oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was gonna say my only issue with, you know, and this happened at uh, at the country club, right? When you obviously this was a hot topic at the US Open. I hated that Liv took away from the yeah. U.S. Open, sure. right? That that did not sit well with me, okay? It's the U.S. Open. It's a major. It's at the country yeah. club, okay? The history at that golf course alone can be talked about at another time. But all these reporters, all these media people were asking, you know, Brooks, asking all these guys, okay, about what they thought about Liv and whatever. And I, I think Brooks, before he obviously joined, I think he said it perfectly. I'm here to win a U.S. Open. I'm here to play at a U.S. Open. It happened last week. Let's not talk about it anymore. But do I think that Liv's going to get a TV contract moving forward? I think so. I could see Peacock doing it. You know what I mean? I could see them easily doing it down the road. But, you know, again, when it goes – going back to the U.S. Open really quick, I didn't like that Jordan Spieth was not saying hi to Kevin Na, to all these other guys. Like, these are your buddies. Okay, you guys travel the world together. Yeah. Okay, if I'm in Jordan Spieth's shoes and, and my friend and, my, and one of my really good friends joined Liv, I can look at them differently because of that. That was my only issue with that. Was this like, well, but, but wait, but wait a minute. J, J, JT, JT turned around and JT's point in, in this whole thing is now that litigation is starting to be thrown around. He, it is a member owned association. So in essence, sure. his good friends just sued him. So I, I, I can certainly yeah, see if you, get, if you go can, from that angle. Yeah. I can, I can certainly see that perspective. But I absolutely agree with you what happened this week with, you know, the champions at, at uh, St. Andrews. I believe that Greg should have been there for his playing performance. I absolutely agree and respect the RNA for saying thanks for coming or not coming. 
they were well, not other- to, to Christian's point. The Royal Nation was not going to put itself in the position that the USGA was put in, where yeah. had Greg Norman showed up, all the questions would have been about live. They were not going to detract from the Open Championship, and they sure as hell weren't going to detract from the 150th Open Championship at yep. St. Andrews. Right. I agree. Yep. And, I, and honestly, I, I respect the RNA's decision to do what they did this week. Right? I don't think anybody's going to argue that, okay, because this 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 tournament alone, this this week, it has the most history of obviously the entire schedule. Okay. But this is still going to continue to be talked about for years and years to come, you know, more so than the masters, more so than the U S open this year, the PGA and so forth. Just the fact that it's here, it's at the, it's at the St. Andrews. It's just going to be talked about for many years to come. And I think that's why the RNA did it. And that's why I respect them for doing that personally, even though I like live, I, I respect that. I respect them for doing it. The only thing I don't respect, is that they're talking now off topic about the not not the open, but they're talking now about taking Norman Greg Norman out of the Hall of Fame. Can't do that. Can't do it. I can't. You you can't. You can't do it. Absolutely not. You can't do that for what he's doing now. You can't do that for what he's doing now. Okay, no. Greg Norman, phenomenal player when he was in his prime. Phil Mickelson, phenomenal player when he was in his prime. How many guys can win forty plus tournaments on the PGA Tour? One percent. Guys, a lot of this, a lot of this to me, I agree with you on that. A lot of this to me keeps going back to the official world golf ranking points. And that if, if you haven't won a major championship already and you decide to go and play it and live. Okay. Well, (laughs) the powers that be the existing powers that be the United States golf Association, the PGA of America, PGA tour, they're the ones who constitute the official world golf rankings. They're not going to, give points for 54 hole non-cut tournaments. So if you've never won a major uh, and, and Abe answer is a really good example. I think he's, I think he's the best example. How in the world is he going to get into the masters? How in the world is he going to get into the PGA? He's not. Yeah. Brooks, Brooks has got an exemption for a number of years. Of course he does. Sergio Sergio can go back to Augusta for the remainder of his lifetime. They've already got, they've already got the pedigree. They've already got the, you are absolutely, I I said that, I think a couple of weeks ago, Abraham answer shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of doesn't make any sense, Alan. Not not a lick, which perfect segue. Tiger Woods, Hmm. Tiger finally sat down, presser talks about, you know, the question was obviously posed to him about live or, well, no, I take it back. He never mentioned live. He never mentioned Greg Norman. He never mentioned anything. Tiger is a smooth criminal. So we'll, we'll say it though. He is, he, he crafted the best talking points for why there should not be a deviation away to live that basically you're, if you, we all grew up playing this game. We all, you know, we've all stood over putts on some 18th green sometime in our lifetime. We dreamt of this putt to win the U.S. Open, this putt to win whatever. Sure. We play those mind games. They're gone. Some of these younger players, to your point, Kelly, these younger guys, they'll never have that chance. No, it, uh, Tiger speaking if they points go to were, live. If they, do, if they do. Tiger speaking points were exactly they, – they could have been right out of the – the, the playbook for the PGA tour. It's exactly what they wanted to hear from the most recognizable figure in golf. If not all of sports, kind of an old school stance, right? I mean, he's, he's the old guard in a sense, along with Jack, the, they've decided he's made the point. And I think part of it also, 
I don't think he wants to be subservient, if you will, in a way to Greg Norman. I think Tiger Woods, I don't want to go to a tour that's run by Greg. He wants to go to a tour maybe that he runs, but he doesn't want to be having Greg Norman speak for him. I think that's a big part of this. There's a big ego with him, of course. But go back to your other point. I, I still feel like that's the one thing, like if um, I, I was trying to think, like Colin, Colin Morikawa, he could be a guy who could make that jump. Colin Morikawa has already won the Open Championship. He's won the PGA Championship. He could. He could legitimately say, guys, I know that I can play in the PGA Championship for the rest of my living days as long as I'm competitive. I know I can play in the Open Championship for the next 10 years. I'm pretty well set, and they're throwing all this money at me. Wow. How can I – basically, how can I say no? I, I mean, same thing with DJ. Look at DJ. No question DJ, about it. He's, now won, he's won the Masters. He's going to play in that for life. Okay? He's won the U.S. Open. Okay. okay. I mean, if they're, if they're content with that, then I don't blame them one bit. Right. Again, going back to, going back to Abraham answer really quick. That one shocked me. But if Abraham answer, I don't know what he thinks mentally, obviously, if he thinks he can't win a major ever, yes, that could be, then he do it. Then he did it for the money. Okay. Yes, but then I look at, if I look at Abraham answer doing this now, I look at guys on tour. Like, again, I know Matt Wolf's over here right now, but I look at guys like Ricky Fowler. Why hasn't Ricky made the jump yet? Okay, Surprise. Ricky's been having a, a really bad two seasons. He just had a really good showing at the Scottish Open because I know he likes link style golf. But how, how, is he the next guy to go over? Are you going to have somebody from the top 10? I'm curious now who the top 10 golfer is. Do you know? Is it is it going to be somebody like a Scotty Shuffler? Is it going to be somebody? Who knows? I, I mean, a top 10 golfer, that's that, that's a huge name. I don't care who it is. That's a huge name of the PGA. The name, the name being uh, tallest round is Batsuyama. Right. It's Sadeki. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Then that, that, that. I can see that. I mean, again, yeah. he's won the Masters already. If he's fine with playing at Augusta the rest of his life, okay. He can play that till literally. He can play that for the rest of his well, life. There's a, and there's a whole other host of reasons why that could make sense. I mean, he's 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 Asian and the Asian tour and 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 all this other stuff. Bobby, you've been hanging back. And folks, if you, I know we're only on audio. Bobby is fighting. He's like grinding. He's like he's like. <laughs> He's like got to make the cut. He's on eleven, and he's got to play the last three and like three under. He is fighting the technical issues today. But Bob, make your point, sir. <laughs> no, well, I I agree that uh, you know you you win tournaments to get in the uh, tournament record book. You win majors for the history book. So uh, I I agree. Christian took my point there that yeah, some of the guys maybe the reality is I can't ever win a major, comfortable lifestyle, make the money. It could be as simple as that. And I would hate to, I would hate to think, I don't know Abe answer, but I would hate to think a guy on the, on the rise 20th ranked in the world would say to himself, uh, I don't know if I can win a major championship. I mean, are you kidding me? Come yeah. on, man. He easily, he on. easily could. But again, if, we're, if that is these guys' mindset, right? Yeah. If, that, uh, if that's throw, the case. If that's the case. Okay. I'm going to throw a name out there who Alan and I love this guy. Right, I could totally see like a Victor Hovland going to live easily, easily for the money aspect of it. I would hate because I'm I not hate to see it, but I, I love Victor Hovland. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he can win anytime, anywhere if he's in the right mindset and he has the right game for it. Yep. I just I could see somebody like that. So that's where I'm curious now in the next upcoming months and years if live lasts that long, which I think it will. But I'm just curious now. You know, I think if the PGA sees more and more of their big name players going over, 
they're going to be forced to show their hand now of like, okay, let's make it, let's make an well, agreement. They, they, yeah. They've already, they've know. already, they've already had to retool things. I they've mean, already retooled. They're, they're trying to retool yeah, things you know, as it that. is. But I think it, like, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be turbulent waters still for the next probably 12 to 18 months without question. And, right. But, like, but, yeah, uh, but like to what Kelly alluded to, if you lose Scotty, if you lose JT, if you lose oh, you're Rory, you're done. Not, not only are they done, they're going to have to literally now go, go over to Greg Norman and tell him we need to come up with a way to, like literally to sal- salvage both tours because I want these guys to play on my tour. Okay. I can't pay them what you're paying them, obviously. But like, there's got to come up with an agreement to do that. There has to be a way. If if they lose those guys, you can afford to lose the guys that they've lost now, but you can't afford to lose the Scotties, the the JTs of the world. You can't afford to lose them. You know. So, all right, Bobby. You know what time it is. You you you've ground. You've been grinding all the way to 18. We're on the 18th hole. Flag stick's got to get put in. Final thoughts as we wrap up another round of the 19th hole. Uh, I got two final thoughts. One about the Open Championship, and uh, again, thank you, uh, my uh, dear kind Sarah Kelly Elbin. Ah, she is. Yes, she is. she is, Senya. Um, you know, I, I'm. I don't know why, but I've got this John Rom or Rory going for the Open. John Rom made some comments. I think he gets it historically context yeah. about the magnitude of winning at the the Open Championship at, at um, St Andrews. My dark horse is Shane Lowry. Right there. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's legit. What kind of party would that be? And, uh, you know, <laughs> like, um, second thing is just for any listeners up in the New England PGA, New England section, uh, sad to hear the passing of Paul Barkhouse today. Uh, Baki was one of the iconic PGA pros in New England over the years with my dad, Mike Wardis, Art Harris, Tony Morosco. Uh, that generation of PGA pros, you know, the, the sort of the greatest generation type of thing. And uh, just sad that, one other New England PGA pro was on the first tee up above and, um, you know, got speed to Barky. Christian, what do you got? Yeah. You know, uh, Kelly, first off, thank you for, you know, you're coming on the show. You're always welcome. There's always going to be a seat for you. Appreciate that. Thank uh, you. Hopefully we can see you in person soon, obviously play some golf, you know, all the good stuff. Um, and you can show me how good of a game that you actually have and how much better you are than Bob and Alan. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> let's, let's get a, let's get let's get to the first tee, boys. Let's go. I love it. Now, with that being said, though, guys, seriously, um, you know, continue to follow us on social media, please. You know, we're, you know, uh, doing this stuff for you guys. Any way we can get better, um, please let us know. Uh, we have a lot of great stuff planned for you guys here in 2022. Um, only going to get better from here on up. So, um, you know, continue to follow us on all social media platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And um, you know, I'm excited to see you guys next week. And um, you know, I can't wait for uh, for Roy McIlroy to win the 150th Open this week. There you go. Hey Kelly, I'm going to save you to last. I'm going to jump in first. You're our <laughs> honored guest, so I'm going to I'm going to offer mine. I got two thoughts real quick as well. One is this past week I had the pleasure of meeting another podcaster that's out there, dear sis. She has a podcast all about life and everything. And let me tell you, it's it's interesting. But what's interesting about it is I told her I'd give her a shout out if she gives me a shout out over there. And if she takes a lesson from Boston Bob Baldessari. There we go. She's agreed. She's never lifted lift up the golf club yet. But dear sis, if you're listening to this, I've carried through on my part. You got you to do it as a recipitate. But actually, my real my other one is Lucy Lee. 
Lucy Lee bust onto the scene a number of years ago as the child phenom qualifying for the U.S. Women's Open. You know, we are huge supporters of, of uh, ladies golf. She lifted the hardware this past weekend on the, on the Epson tour. So, Lucy, I know you I know we have uh, following back and forth on Instagram. Uh, love to have you on and congrats. A huge congrats out from all of us here at the 19th hole. And Kelly, put the flag stick in for us with your final thoughts, sir. Hey guys, first of all, thank you so much for uh, for welcoming in. Really have enjoyed the the talk. Uh, two things: one, uh, I liked him before he won at the Scottish Open, and I really like Xander Schauffele to win this week. He is no one is hotter, and I think there's a lot to be said for how that's going to carry over to St Andrews. I'd be I'd be surprised if he's not among the top three. Uh, the second and final note: and this is someone that that Bob and I have known for a long time. Dennis Walters is one of the he's the most inspirational person I've ever met in my life. And Dennis is a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame. At the age of 24, he had a horrific golf cart accident, became a paraplegic. And all he did from that was to go on and, and do thousands of trick shot golf shows, send a powerful message, uh, be inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame. Dennis is prepping for the U.S. Adaptive Open, which is an event that's been sanctioned by the United States Golf Association is going to be played at, at Pinehurst on their number six course the week after the Open Championship. Remember the girl Amy Bickerstadt, who Gary Woodland had that sweet uh, – they played that one hole of golf out in, right. in Arizona a couple of years ago. Amy's one of the contestants as well. They, they have eight different categories. Dennis is, is in one of those categories, and this is something that's been uh, – I, I know been, been something the USGA has wanted to do for a long time. And it's the right thing to do. And it will, it, it's, it's again shows how great a sport golf is. The 96 contestants from that first one, and it'll continue for many years. But for that inaugural one, boy, you talk about great memories, great stories that they'll be able to tell. You're here. I agree with everything you said, Kelly. Hey, Christian, you know, I'm teeing it up up in New York this weekend. So I'll be hitting it long and straight while you normally will be doing what? I'm driving you because oh. you hit it short and crooked. Alrighty then. <laughs> you only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.